Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Joe Kasherba. Now, Joe grew up the freelance he grew up in the freelance web design business and he started that in high school. Uh, he turned into a digital agency with a virtual team and clients around the world. He went from building $300 websites to building 30 thousand websites uh sorry thirty thousand dollar websites so you know i have to make that clarification and managing six-figure digital advertising budgets for some of the largest manufacturing and construction companies joe now advises and mentors other freelance web designers and digital agency owners on how to develop and scale their business welcome to the show joe hey thanks for having me i'm looking forward to it the pleasure is mine i mean before i ask you about yourself um how does one go from building $300 websites to $30,000 websites? That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I think it's a couple pieces. One, for me, it, you know, it wasn't something that happened right away. Um, you know, it, you know at, at the beginning, I was just in high school doing a couple hundred dollar websites for people that would call a high school looking for somebody to do a website or somebody that I'd meet or something. And so it, it took a long effort of specifically trying to raise my prices to, to get to that point. But the other piece really, which is the, the piece that, you know, an entrepreneur just starting out or someone in a freelance, you know, who's a freelancer can, can really take value from is it was all about getting more and more clear about who my ideal clients were, what I really specialized in and shifting away from the mindset of I'm just someone who sells websites and does this sort of very commoditized thing of doing websites to someone who actually solves very specific business problems for my ideal clients. Because as you make that transition, you can charge a lot more because you're not just a web designer. You're someone who's actually solving their problems. Hmm. And then who would you say were the, the clients in that $30,000 range who wanted to actually have websites to solve the problems? The people we really focus on you know, in, in our business is we work with a lot of manufacturing and industrial companies. And so those are, 
the what's going on in those situations is those are very large companies that in some instances they have some sort of an industrial service in other instances you know some of those manufacturing companies are you know suppliers and um you know the the, the one website we did was a actually it was a $42,000 website for a company that provided products to like Lowe's and Home Depot and stuff and what they needed was they needed a way to, to provide all of their product information digitally to Lowe's and Home Depot because Lowe's and Home Depot were transitioning away from having physically printed out list of products and things. And so they had this very specific problem and had a risk of losing some of those big uh, companies that were selling their products. And so it wasn't just about getting a website. It was about solving that problem that they needed to go digital with their product lists. Yeah, no, no, I can imagine, especially with uh, companies of those sizes. Uh, take me back. Take me back to when you first started, because I imagine, obviously, you said you started doing this in high school, and then you must have gotten big to a point where you needed to actually build an agency or, I mean, a, a consultancy freelance type business. And for someone like a lot of people in the audience who are starting out their businesses, whether it's consulting or whether it's freelance, and they're starting to grow a team, what are some of the things that they should start looking for? Well, yeah, I mean. Basically, you know, I the web design freelancing was something I did on the side in high school and college. And then at the end of college, I was involved in a startup company that sort of fell apart during finals and graduation week. So I graduated with that with no startup and no job lined up. So I sort of had to make the freelance work. And it, it took a while to really get it to to start making some income. And what what really happened was. I started getting more and more freelance work, but I was spending a ton of time on it. So I remember having my first $10,000 month and being like, wow, this is incredible. I made $10,000 a month, but I worked an insane number of hours and got to the end of the month and realized there was no way I could do that every single month. It was just insane. And you know, and the problem was that I built my business as this job, basically, that I was working a ton of hours. And so that's when I sort of realized that that so that wasn't sustainable and I had to figure out how I can start building a team and make this more into a real business that wasn't completely dependent on me spending hours. So one thing I definitely recommend to people what would be to not grow their business grow their business on accident like that. Actually take some time to think about where do I want this business to go? Do I want it to be a, a, you know a virtual business with a team? What's the lifestyle I want? You know where am I going? And try to build it, build it with that in mind from the start, because I sort of ended up in that place where I was sort of trapped by a business that was making making money, but but it wasn't the the kind of business or lifestyle that I wanted. It was was would probably be easier to start from scratch in that direction than to make that transition. I don't know. I'm listening. I'm, I'm thinking about that because I, I run into a lot of people that, that tell me, you know. When I ask them the question, how did you start a business, they, they always say the same thing you're saying. They're like, you know, it just sort of happened. Um, I did this interview. I did that, and then it blew up, and then I just had to figure it out in the way. But you're saying don't do that. You're saying be more strategic about where you feel like your direction will grow. Otherwise, it'll catch up to you. Well, yeah, and I mean certainly there's a lot. There's, there's definitely a big piece of things that you never know what's going to happen or what opportunity is going to come and everything like that. But I see so many businesses that are – so many freelancers and businesses that are doing they're doing everything for everybody they're sort of running around in a hundred mm. different directions just to 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 bring the money in and it's because the business wasn't designed deliberately it's right. just 
they took anything you know when I'm working with freelancers and, and agency owners to grow their businesses one of the things I see so often is I see somebody that I'll see somebody that has maybe two or three sort of contracts where they uh, contracts where they do sort of contract work on an ongoing basis but they have no idea how to get any other clients and you know they're worried that one of those big clients is going to leave and it's going to be you know all their income is going to be gone and it's like they have this business that appeared on accident and mm. it's it sort of is missing the pe- the main pieces of, of a of a business that's working properly you know they don't have a way to get clients they don't have a specific product or service to sell they're just sort of doing everything for everybody and it's it's just more of a job than it is of a than it is a business. That makes that a makes, lot. Of, that makes a lot of sense. That actually does make a lot of sense, and especially um, with you know 2016 and, and the world and 2017 becomes more digitalized. It, you have to if you want to stand out, um, you have to definitely know what your um, unique advantage is, your unfair advantages, and all that. But you have to be so secure in that because that's what's going to ultimately cause you to win. Yeah. Exactly, and what and see what I see is that I see that that the problem is that when those people are in that situation, making that transition to okay, I'm going to pick out who who my ideal clients are. I'm going to specialize. I'm going to put together some very specific offerings, and I'm going to go out to the market and sell it. It's it's hard for people because they're so used to what they were doing in the past, and they're afraid that they're going to lose one of those big clients if they. You know, that client discovers that they're only working with certain type of clients or yeah. they're worried about you know saying no to those clients because those clients are taking up all their time and it's just a hard transition to make I can imagine well let's stay on that then what are some uh, strategies that you can share about you know getting your first few clients yeah absolutely I think the the what I always tell people to do which you know when we start when I start talking to somebody about you need to niche down you need to come up with a specialization they start to get afraid it's so much in entrepreneurship is a mindset thing so i see people you know they're afraid of saying no to business or they're afraid of you know firing clients and so they think well if i'm going to specialize if i'm going to just work with restaurants or i'm just going to work with lawyers or something they think they have to change the name of their company and you know change their website to say they only work with restaurants or they only work with lawyers or something. They got to do that overnight before they do anything else and they have to fire all their old clients. And so what I tell people is let's just leave everything the same, leave your brand the same, continue doing what you're doing with your existing clients. And let's just create a marketing campaign geared towards those ideal clients. And only once that's working, it's bringing in clients can we sort of let some of the other stuff go to, go to the wayside? But don't get all stressed out by trying to rebrand your whole business or you know fire all your, your existing clients. Just create a marketing campaign towards your ideal clients based on your specialization. And, and the thing is, you know, once you start doing those type of things, right, then you can start to, you know, as the more successful you get as you're niching down, you can ultimately scale up and broaden. Uh, because you get good for this and you get known for that. And then, you know, more clients start to say, hey, well, have you thought about this industry? Have you thought about that? And they're coming to you as opposed to you trying to win everything now and make yourself feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you talked about a young entrepreneurs. You talk um, to a lot of people and, and they're basically 
making some of these mistakes that you, you would advise them on now that you act as a mentor to them. What, what are other things that, you know, you you tell young people who are interested in entrepreneurship? Because let's face it, this this is entrepreneurship in a way. I mean, I know people say freelance and entrepreneurship are a little different, but in a way, this can be entrepreneurship. So what do you tell them? Well, yeah. So anybody who's <clears throat> anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship or is a young entrepreneur, the, the first thing I tell people is, you just need to get into business and you need to start learning. Sometimes people were waiting for like the the greatest business idea ever to to appear out of nowhere and they're not going to get into business until they, have, until they have that incredible idea that nobody's ever done before. And the reality is that you know, if you got that business idea in, in most cases you wouldn't know what to do with it if you didn't have any business experience. So I recommend people just get into business whether it's a freelance business or you know whatever it is and just start learning learning about marketing, learning about sales, learning about running a business and when that great idea comes you're going to be ready for it. And so that's one of the biggest things that I that I see young entrepreneurs do. They're not getting into business. They're waiting for some perfect idea. Yeah, yeah. And it, and that idea of constant learning, I found, is, is something that helped me for sure. Uh, because like you, I did start ac- <laughs> accidentally. You know, it was it was the podcast that I was doing while I was getting my MBA. And then it, I just started, started getting opportunities to, to, you know, speak and do this and consult in there. And I didn't have a strategy. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I had created the podcast to... You know, the whole goal was to help build the next set of global leaders and also conduct this experiment to why, you know, the world is so global and digital, yet people are not as global and digital as they should be. Um, and then it started becoming, you know, people were asking me for this and that and that. And I was taking every single one. And like, you you know what it's like when you're going to school and running a business. I was getting my MBA and I was like, ah! <laughs> so, um, and so, so, you know, I was it was all good. But then... As soon as like months started to go, I realized I actually don't have a strategy. I'm being very opportunistic uh, as opposed to being strategic. And, and that's always been the biggest critique when I talk to my mentors. They're like, you got to learn how to stop being opportunistic because it's not always going to just come in front of you. You know, you have to have strategy. So definitely have to true for sure. Yeah, the that opportunistic, that's a good way to put it. That, yeah, people tend to be, and I certainly have been that way, opportunistic, just looking for the next opportunity rather than being deliberate about what you're doing. That's opportunistic. That's a good word to use. Yeah, hey, yeah, feel free to use it. One of my mentors always <laughs> tells me, he's like, you tired, you're so optimistic. Um, okay, so now that you, you know, you've talked to. You talked yourself through this process. You started to go from being one man that's building 300 websites, you started to build a team. I imagine managing and building a virtual team comes with its own set of interesting opportunities and challenges. So first of all, let's start with how do you start building that virtual team? And then I'll follow up with another question. Yeah, so that's, once again, building a team, for for me at least, was a big mindset thing more than anything else. Um, I was afraid to give up some of that money that was coming in to a team member or I was afraid that they weren't going to do a good enough job or whatever. And so the first thing is you have to identify is it's going to be a mindset challenge and you have to sort of work yourself. You have to you have to keep working on it and uh, sort of push through that mindset barrier. But I think the the strategy that, that – or, or sort of the strategy and then sort of the mistake I see people make is – I see people try to hire people, whether they're employees or whether they're contractors, 
without a very clear picture of what that person is going to do and what the skill sets, what skill set they need. And so I'll talk to a freelancer that'll say, well, I just can't find good developers. They never know what they're doing and I always have to give them so much direction and everything like this. And when we really get into it, what what's happening is that that person is expecting that developer to do different things every day. You know, one one day they want them to build a WordPress website. The next day they want, to, want them to build a Shopify website. And how, you know, they're, they're sort of expecting that person to magically know what what to do when they're doing different things all the time. So you really have to figure out, okay, I'm spending, you know, 20 hours a week on this specific kind of work or this specific task, and I'm going to get somebody, a contractor or somebody to take over that one task or that one kind of work. And when you cut it up into pieces like that, it's a lot easier than just sort of bringing somebody on and trying to figure out what to have them do. You know, it's sort of like, you know, if you want to, if, if McDonald's wants to hire an employee, they have systems for everything, very specific jobs. They can get somebody in and train them and they're up and running very easily. But if you wanted to hire a, a private chef to cook anything in the world for you, that's going to be a lot harder to find than somebody who's going to be an employee at McDonald's. Yeah, no, no, I can imagine. So you got through that mindset shift and you start to realize that actually the good benefits for yourself and, and, um, what was the first thing? How did you scout? How did you recruit? Yeah, we used, uh, you know, and we still do this a lot. It was Elance and now it's Upwork. We've gotten a ton of people on those sites where you post a job and people all over the world are able to um, submit proposals and then you can do interviews and hire them from there. And basically what I did was the 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 first person I, you know, the first sort of role in the business that I started having somebody else do was the graphic design piece where um, the initial designs of websites in Photoshop, we started getting some graphic designers to do that. And and that's sort of another piece. Don't try to do it all at once. It was, I got somebody to start doing graphic design and it was like six months until I started bringing other people in to do different roles. And yeah. I just sort of identified one task, went on Elance, found somebody or a couple people that could handle that piece and now I moved on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, and one thing I'll add to that is because as I'm as I've started to build team myself, it's it's you know <laughs> it's talking to my opportunistic mindset is don't just go on to the the first person that says hey I'd like to work with you, um, <laughs> and and I did that uh, and I didn't even like do my due diligence. I was like ah oh, someone wants to work with me what? Because I felt <laughs> like wow this is cool someone just reached out to me. Uh, but I I you know the, the mistake looking back was you know you've got to see if the person is good enough. So maybe it's a trial period or whatever, but you know, the whole idea yeah. of building a team is not this whole, you know, like you're on my team. Yes, I'm leading, I'm leading. You've got to make sure that person has a skill set that either complements you or make something a little less um, you know, taxing for you because as you are, Joe, and anyone who's starting a business, you're gonna to have to start thinking of more business decisions. So you have to trust that the other person can do some of the day to day things when you're not there. So yeah. Yeah, and our process is always, you know, mine and now we're now we're a team. Our process is always to when those initial applicants come in on Upwork or, or Elance. A um, couple things that we do, we always have a, sp- a couple things in the the post on Upwork that we look for when they apply for the job. So at the bottom, I always ask for what's your favorite restaurant, <laughs> just at the bottom of this post. That way. 
you know, maybe I'll get 50 applicants. Anybody that doesn't answer that question, I can just delete their application. <laughs> That's really smart. Actually. So that way I know they're, yeah, I know they're, they're, um, I shouldn't take credit. It's actually my girlfriend's mom actually gave me that idea. Um, yeah, because she works at a hospital and does uh, hires a lot of people and does a lot of interviews. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, that's just a great one because so many people don't. They're just and, and you know that way you you end up going from maybe fifty to maybe you know twenty people that actually read the post and actually responded to everything you asked for. And then the next thing I do is anybody that looks like they're they're a good fit, I send them a small test. And, you know, it might be a, if it's a developer, I'll actually send them a couple small um, programming questions. And again, that weeds out another bunch of them that don't don't respond or don't answer those questions correctly or anything like that. And then I interview, I do quick interviews with maybe of those 50, maybe five of them. And I, I pick one from there. And so that's sort of the process. No, I love it. I love it. And and Joe, before I go into how you manage this team up, I want to share an opportunity with the audience. So one of our sponsors is Away, Away Travel, and Away basically is this, this amazing suitcase company that uses high quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman. And I've used a carry-on, and the cool thing about what the carry-on is is you're able to basically charge your phone while you travel. I imagine you know you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Travel a lot, Joe. You probably need a good charge for your tablets or your e-readers sometimes, but um, yep. <laughs> this allows you to charge your iPhone or whatever five times. And and you know, there's a lifetime warranty if anything breaks, but the it's unbreakable. It's phone charging. It's life warranted. Um, and you know, your luggage shouldn't cost money in plane ticket. Is is basically what they say. So all this is still under three hundred dollars. Every bag comes with a hundred day trial period. So if you're not satisfied. You can easily return it. So um, for the listeners of us told by nomads for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com forward slash nomads and use the promo code nomads during checkout. $20 off suitcase, awaytravel.com forward slash nomads. Use the promo code nomads during checkout and you should be able to start traveling smarter with suitcases to charge your phone. We were talking about... Your virtual team, right? Uh, thing mm-hmm. that I, I do a lot and I talk about a lot on the podcast is managing leaders and managing um, team members. Is there an art to managing a virtual team? I imagine that's different from physical teams. Yeah, definitely. A virtual team definitely, you know, has a has a lot of unique challenges, um, a lot of unique opportunities because it's so um, 
you, know, you yourself can be anywhere and you can get people from anywhere and everything like that. I think the, 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 the biggest challenge is because you're not one-on-one with somebody because I can't just go over to your office and say, come here and let's look at this. You know, because of that, you have to be very, you have to be even more clear about what those people are doing, getting really, really dialed in in terms of what is this person doing, what is their role, you know, what are they responsible for, so that you can check up on that. Um, because you can't grab them and you can't just grab them during the middle of the day and look at something together. Um, so I think that's a key piece. And then also having, you need some way to, um, keep track of what's what's actually going on. So, you know, we use Asana for project management and everything's a task in there. We have templated projects. Every web design project we have, we have a, a, a template in Asana. It's a project management software, if you haven't heard of it, that we duplicate that has maybe 50 specific tasks that have to be done um, throughout the project. And then we'll create that a copy of that template in Asana, and then those those tasks are assigned to different people, and a project manager, one of our project managers, will will keep track of all those tasks. And so we really make sure that on a very granular granular level, we're, we're identifying all the little things that have to be done, who's doing them, and it's all kept track of in Asana. Yeah, yeah, definitely keeping track is something that that I've noticed works for sure. And, and, and imagine with your business, it's it's way 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 even more important than maybe others. So. Um... Keeping track, being clear is what I, what I heard. You know, make sure clarity is um, is there. And even if you have to reaffirm what you said, it's it's better um, done than actually not at all. Yeah, absolutely. Another cool one, which is just sort of a real tactical thing, um, we use a we use Jing a lot. It's J I N G. It's a it's a screen recording software that you can create five minute screen recordings super quickly and and share them with people and we found a lot had a lot of success with instead of typing up something long or some explanations just i'll open up jing i'll record a five minute video of what i'm seeing on my screen what problems i'm seeing with the website or anything like that and send that off to somebody and that's that makes the communication a little bit higher bandwidth than just text so Yeah, that's yeah. a cool strategy. Jing J I N G dot com. Make sure you check it out. Um, wow. So uh, the next question I'm going to ask is a, it's a little interesting. So I I've, I've actually had designers, you know, do my my website, especially for my company, and I've also used your I guess what we considered your competitor, Squarespace. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was talking as the enemy here, I guess. How do you? How can web designers compete with you know the Squarespaces and the Weeblies and and all the other website builders out there? That's a really good question. That's a question I get all the time from from web designers that are afraid that web design industry is dying or that you know there's all this competition and. The first thing I tell people is that, you know, what's happening in web design is that everybody in the market is getting more sophisticated. So, you know, the the small businesses that are now building a website with Squarespace are the ones that five or ten years ago wouldn't have had a website at all. And what I'm seeing now is that the the, the businesses that five or ten years ago wanted a simple website that they paid a few hundred bucks for – and they sort of just get it, got it checked off their list. They're now they're getting more sophisticated, also, and they're now ready to actually start investing in 
a website that's really going to grow their business, investing in digital marketing, and sort of getting serious about it. So I see businesses across the board getting more sophisticated in terms of what they're um, looking to do online. And so what's happening is that the opportunity no longer is in in selling cheap websites to people that want to get that checked off their list. So you know, five or ten years ago, you could make a killing doing a bunch of low-cost websites for small businesses that just need to get a website because – you know, there wasn't those square spaces and Weeblies and everything. Now the opportunity is in building the, the higher ticket websites where you're charging a higher price, but you're you're actually helping somebody grow their business or you're solving their specific problems. And those people are willing to pay higher prices and they're not looking at Squarespace because they're not even looking for a website. They're looking to get more leads in or they're looking to solve some business problem. And so... The first step is to understand that, understand that market sophistication is coming in, understand that the opportunity now is in those higher priced projects and working with with businesses that have specific business problems and really want to use the internet to grow their business and not just get it checked off their list. And so you have to identify that and then you have to figure out, you have to go after them and figure out what, what can you specialize in, what problems can you solve, what specific web design packages can you offer that meets the needs of a certain type of of client and then when you do that right and you talk to those clients about their needs and their problems and how you're going to solve them they're not even thinking about squarespace because you're talking about their problems and you're not talking about websites wow no that's that's reframing if i've ever heard it just it's basically you're saying web design is much more than just creating a website. It's it's a lead generation, um, you know. Thing. It, it's a branding uh, company, and, and and it's something that actually grows your big your business depending on how much you're willing to spend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in you know, it's sort of like this. If I go into say I go into a you know a construction company and we start talking about. You know, at the beginning of that conversation, they might be saying, yeah, we want to redesign the website. We think it could be a little bit better and stuff like that. And then what happens is as I start digging into why do they want a website, you know, what are they really trying to accomplish? What's going on? I ask them all these questions in the consultation. We get down to they want to get more requests for proposal coming in through the website, and right now they're not getting any. And so then what happens is we start talking about requests for proposal and big construction projects and how they run their business and what's going on. And we start talking about all that stuff and we're not talking about websites and technical stuff anymore. Mm. And I show them how, how we can build a website or we can combine it with digital marketing or we can do all these different things to, to get more requests for proposal and to get them in front of the people that they want to need, that they want to be in front of. And then they tell me, Oh, well, you know what we need? We also need, you know, some way to get information out to our existing clients. And so we put together a, a, a portal on their website where existing clients can log in to get some password protected material. And then we put together an email list. And, and then, yeah, and then what ends up happening is now we've developed this whole business solution for them rather than, uh, you know, Squarespace, they could just go in and put together a little website for themselves. So, we're talking about we've we've identified five or six problems that they have, and we've put together a whole solution to 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 deal with those problems, 
And we're not talking about websites anymore. We're talking about the, their problems and solving them. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, problem solvers, web designers. Uh, that should be like a tagline or something. <laughs> <laughs> solving your business problem every day. Um, so let's stay on that there. Your AdWords, these are... These are things that actually start to become an active part of the discussion as as you're starting to grow businesses beyond and get attention. What, what are some tips for generating a return on investment with Google AdWords? Yeah, absolutely. Google AdWords was the, 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 the first real marketing strategy that really took off for us. Um, just we, we launched the AdWords campaign, got everything really dialed in and how we were doing it. And actually had to turn it off in a few months because we had so many projects we didn't know what to do and had to stop the marketing. Um, so th the big mistake with AdWords that people make is that – so first off, people look at AdWords and they think that the you know the cost per click is pretty high compared to, say, the cost per click on Facebook. You know, both Facebook and AdWords are pay-per-click advertising platforms. It's, it's very high. But what people don't realize is that – what people don't think about it, is those people who are searching on Google, are so, those leads are so hot because they're actually searching on Google for your services. And when you have a, a service where you're charging thousands of dollars for a website, you're charging a, a, a high price, a relatively high price, you can afford to spend some money on some clicks in order to land those clients. And so you, you have to realize that and you have to be comfortable with those high costs per click because those clicks are worth the cost if you're doing everything right. Um, that's one thing on AdWords. And the second thing on AdWords, and I won't go into too much detail, but basically all of the default settings in AdWords aren't what you want. AdWords makes their platform really easy for you to just log in and set up a campaign in five minutes, and that campaign won't work, and it'll eat all your money because you have to really go in and change a lot of the settings and do things a lot differently than the way it's set up originally. One of the one of the things is, you know, on AdWords you pick different keywords you want your ad to show up for, and what people think is if I go in and I say I want to show up for web design as my keyword, people think their ad will only show up when somebody searches for web design, but it's actually not true. Google will by default pick all these different keywords that it thinks are related to web design and show you ad for those. So it might show your ad for web design jobs or web design courses or you know, graphic design or interior decorating or you know things that it, it, it just thinks might be related to that. And so you blow all this money on, on showing up for keywords that don't make any sense. So you actually have to go in and tell Google, I want you to exactly match my keywords. So I only uh, show up when somebody actually searches web design. And there's some settings in there. I won't get too technical yeah. about it. But the, <laughs> the, the point is it's it's not uh, it's not as easy as it looks. I think is the first, is the thing to understand. But if you learn and know how to do it right, it can be extremely profitable. No, no, no. And, and this is not the end of the interview there, but we're almost there. But where can people find out about your company? Because I imagine someone right now when they heard that they were like, I got to get a website <laughs> right now. So where can they find that out? Absolutely, you can go to joekasherba dot com and get in touch with us. In touch with us that way. Okay, jokeshover.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it as the home stretch here, sir, but you've already shared some great tips. You know, you've talked about building the business, uh, using Google AdWords, managing a virtual team, building a virtual team, um, the idea of being strategic versus opportunistic. I'm very curious, though, about yourself. I mean, you have created this amazing business. 
I, what was the goal? Like, you know, did you want to travel more? What, what was the goal for Joe in building this business? I've definitely made sure that to build everything with sort of freedom and lifestyle in mind so that, you know, I, I, I there was a point in time where I, I could have went and got in an office with a physical team and everything. And I made the decision to go virtual because I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be not location specific and, uh, and, and sort of build everything as a lifestyle business. And so it, it's been cool. I've been able to build it in such a way that I have been able to travel. I've been in, you know, my girlfriend and I were in Ireland a few months ago and we were, we're traveling and I'm just, as I have Wi-Fi, I'm contacting project managers and salespeople that are running things. And so it's been cool. I've been try. I really deliberately tried to build it as a lifestyle business with, that gives me some freedom as well as the sort of that, that ability to travel and that uh, sort of virtual kind of thing. No, no, and this is a immediate follow-up question. With that, how do you handle your taxes when you when you're a freelancer? My taxes? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a few uh, freelancers hit me up um, last month, and they told me the whole ten thousand a month, twenty thousand a month thing, and they they just got a huge surprise when the tax came in. They're like, "Oh man, I should have done that." Is that has that ever happened to you? Oh yeah, that uh, yeah. I've, I have talked to people that didn't realize now that they're you know they had a job and then they went to doing freelance work and they didn't realize that a, a chunk of that money coming in isn't theirs because it's exactly. not being taken out for tax. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's what, that's what I was asking you that because some people you don't realize that until you find out you have to pay twenty thousand dollars to IRS and you're like, ah, ah. <laughs> no, I. Yeah, I understand that. That's a good point, and that's something that uh, yeah, people people do run into that. I started it so early in high school that you know, first year, you know, maybe like when I was fifteen, I made like two thousand dollars or something, and you know, it, it was something that ever since high school I was all, always thinking about before it was a full time thing. So gotcha. I never had a problem because I already I always knew what was going on. I always had. Um, well, now I'm paying, you know, every quarter paying estimated taxes. So, uh, you know, taxes are being taken out all the time. So it was never a challenge that I ran into just because of how I got started in high school and everything. And it was, you know, what was going on from the beginning. But, yeah, that's definitely something people need to keep in mind if they're making, the, especially if they're making a the transition to from employee to, to freelancer or, or business owner and they don't know, you know, they're not, they're used to having the, the taxes taken out. Absolutely. I just wanted to bring that point up in addition to everything you brought on. Just, you know, if you're thinking of doing this, make sure you're, you're, you're thinking strategically, but you're also aware of where your money will go. And don't, you know, don't say I have $10,000. I'm going to buy something for 10000 Try and save some of those. Yeah. Because you need to sure. do that. Um, well, okay. We're getting ready to wrap up here, but I want to ask you some, um, some interesting questions. So you travel a lot now. What, what has been your favorite country so far? Favorite country so far? I think I, I my favorite country is probably Italy. Really? Um, <laughs> my grandmother was from Italy. You know, the first time I was in Italy w was actually with her. We went back and saw saw the relatives and everything like that. And then I've been to Italy a number of times since then, uh, Venice and Rome and uh, Tuscany and everything. And I I'm a big foodie. I love I love food. I love Italian food, and I just I just love everything about Italy. So that's probably the, my my favorite place of the sort of um, uh, Italy, okay, I love Italy. I, I've been in Italy, and it was definitely, definitely very fun. I want to go to more cities. I only went to Rome, and uh, when I got there, but uh, you know, Milan, Venice, and and the other places are places I still want to go to for sure. 
Um, okay, so it, when it's all said and done, what is Joe's legacy? Hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. I think that's I think that's still in development, actually. Um, I think I'm still working on getting to that next level, which is um, making the transition more and more to to building this this business where I'm helping freelancers and agency owners, mm. and I'm going to grow that business. I'm doing everything I can to help as many people grow their businesses. And you know, what's after that, or what's the legacy? I I'm actually not sure yet. All right, that's a, that's a very fair answer. And um, the last question, which is the mission statement of this podcast, is use your difference to make a difference. So how do you, Joe, use your difference to make a difference? I think what it is is that, um, you know, I always wanted to be a teacher when I was little. I, and uh, it was something I never seriously considered, never happened. But I feel like I've sort of become that now that I'm – I'm helping these freelancers and agency owners and doing webinars and jumping on calls with them and stuff. I'm sort of a teacher and doing that. Something I always had sort of this passion for. And I think it's just the coolest thing when I'm able to help somebody who's been struggling for so long actually go out and get clients and actually start to be able to sort of stand on their own as a business owner and, and um, have the, you know, transfer those skill sets and that knowledge that I have to them and, I feel more like I'm making a difference in, when I'm doing that than, than anything else I've ever done. Well, I have no doubt, sir. It does definitely does sound like it. I mean, if you're you're, you're not just helping people build their own websites, you're helping people solve their own uh, problems or actually achieve their dreams with that website, so they can help um, other people in the world. And in that way, you're teaching others to, in in turn, teach others what to do. And that that's a uh, like a degree of separation, but in <laughs> one way, you're helping to change the world. So that's pretty cool. So for where people can find out about you, it's it's joekosherba.com, right? Yep, go to joekosherba.com. That was um, we had a couple websites and we sort of changed some things up, and now we have the the joekosherba.com website recently launched and ready to roll. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, joekosherba.com. If you want to grow your business, if you want if you want to learn how to to be a good freelancer, and if you just want to basically solve a problem with your website, so check out joekosherba.com. But till next week. Use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.